Hey guys, you're listening to me Rishali on the Good Vibes show and today I am going to read out to you the summary of this book called A Monk's Guide to Happiness. It's written by an author called Gilong Thapten. Uh this is a blinkist summary and um I found this profoundly useful and I hope my readers you too shall find it useful and can apply it to your day-to-day life. Um A Monk's Guide to Happiness provides readers with a philosophically insightful and practically useful manual on how to break free of suffering and achieve inner peace. Drawing from the author's 25 years of training at Buddhist monasteries and intensive meditation retreats, the book distills more than two decades of hard-won wisdom. Uh, it's written by Gilong Thapten, who is a Buddhist monk and meditation teacher from the United Kingdom. After receiving an education at Oxford University, he became an actor in London and New York. Um, he um, he led a party hard lifestyle until suffering burnout at the age of twenty one. At this point, he joined the Kagyu Samyelling Monastery in Scotland, where he became an ordained Tibetan Buddhist monk. Thapten has practiced and taught mindfulness meditation ever since. This path included 25 years of training, 6 years of attending intensive meditation retreats and 20 years of teaching mindfulness in settings as diverse as schools, hospitals, prisons, addiction counseling centers and corporate offices. What's in it for me? Learn to be happy anywhere, anytime. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? people usually answer this question with some ability out of a superhero comic flying invisibility telekinesis and the like here's one that probably hasn't occurred to you before on demand happiness imagine your mind had a switch you could you could flip to find peace no matter where you were or what was going on it might not sound as flashy as levitation but it would still be pretty life changing it would also be surprisingly powerful with just a flick of your happiness switch you could keep cool under pressure and endure any hardship best of all unlike those superpowers from the comic books this is an ability you can actually develop in these blinks you'll learn why you're probably working for happiness in the wrong places why you're probably looking for happiness in the wrong places how to train your mind to generate happiness and what you can do to acquire this ability today um what chapter 1 happiness is a feeling of fullness and freedom in the present moment before we dive into the details of how to be happy let's take a step back and begin with a more fundamental question what is happiness in the first place This might seem like a rather philosophical point of inquiry but it has some very practical implications. After all, if we want to find something, we need to know what we're looking for. So what does a feeling of happiness consist of? Well, we can break it down into three main components. The first is a sense of fullness. When we are happy, we don't feel that we lack anything in our experience of the present moment. Instead, we feel complete. just the way we are right here right now in other words we feel content we don't wish for anything we don't already have whether it's a material object experience or circumstance for instance we wouldn't think 
if only i had the shiny new device or had a better job then i'd be happy we are already satisfied so whatever is happening in the present moment is enough that brings us to the second component of happiness which is feeling anchored to the present this means we don't drift away into thoughts about the past or future where we tend to get caught up in painful memories and anxiety provoking uncertainties for example i wish i hadn't made that comment to my friend or i wonder what she'll say when i see her next instead we focus on the moment we are experiencing in conjunction with all of this we also feel a sense of freedom this is the third component of happiness we don't become captivated by the negative emotions and disquieting desires that come with dredging up the past anticipating the future or wishing the present were different instead we feel liberated from all of these sources of unhappiness the nature of this liberation will become clearer in the following blanks where we'll map out the mental prison from which we are trying to break free then with our map in hand we'll figure out an escape plan chapter 2 unhappiness involves a sense of incompleteness which arises from desire and seeking happiness outside of ourselves If happiness is marked by a sense of fullness, presentness and freedom, then unhappiness is characterized by the opposite, a sense of incompleteness, absentness and captivity. To better understand the nature of unhappiness, let's focus on the first of these feelings. Where does our sense of incompleteness come from? Well, it's basically the flip side of our desires. When we want something, it's usually something that we lack, but we think we should have. For example, if you want a promotion that you haven't yet received, but think you'd be happy if you got it, that makes you feel incomplete. In your mind, a promotion becomes one of the missing pieces to your happiness puzzle. Now, it feels as though there's an empty space in your life and as and you longed to fill the void if we look beneath this way of thinking there's an underlying assumption that happiness comes from outside of ourselves whether we longing for material objects experiences or achievements we think we can achieve happiness by obtaining the things we desire thus our happiness seems contingent upon having those things while our ha- unhappiness seems to be the result of not having them But this way of thinking is deeply problematic for many reasons. To begin with, it puts our happiness at the mercy of outside forces which are often beyond our control. To return to the previous example, you can work as hard as you want, but that promotion is ultimately up to your boss. So you end up putting your happiness in her hands. Now let's say you get lucky and receive the promotion. How does it make you feel? Probably delighted, but the feeling will be short-lived. soon you'll be looking for the next thing you want perhaps a fancier car to accompany your bigger pay- paycheck or maybe an even bigger promotion whatever it is you'll now feel dissatisfied with the fact that you don't have something else until you get it then you'll move on to yet another desire then another and another why do we get stuck in this loop and how can we escape it let's find out chapter 3 Modern culture exacerbates the problem of insatiable desire and our sense of incompleteness. If you want to get out of a trap, you need to know how it works. The same goes for the never-ending loop of desire. So let's examine the machinery behind it. 
In the modern world, some mechanisms keep this loop, loop moving. Advertising, social media and the broader materialistic culture in which they are embe- embedded. Whether we are watching TV, browsing the internet or simply walking down a street lined with billboards, we are constantly bombarded by advertisements. These tell us we need to buy a product to become more beautiful, respected or efficient. These ads hint on the implication that we are not already beautiful, respected or efficient enough. Meanwhile, when we flip through magazines or scroll through social media, we see an endless parade of carefully airbrushed and curated photographs depicting lives that seem better than ours. These ads and images conspire to send us the same message. You and your life are not enough. You need more to be happy. When we are inundated with this message, it's pretty difficult to feel satisfied with our lives the way they are. It's as if there's always something else we need. Compounding this problem is another unfortunate aspect of the modern culture in which we live, sensory overload. Contemporary movies, TV shows, music videos, commercials and songs dilute our eyes and ears with a flood of hyperactive images and sounds. Junk food and beverages pump our bodies full of sugar and caffeine. Social media feeds offer us a constant stream of fresh content along with the possibility of getting feel-good likes if we contribute to them. Each time we get a hit from one of these sources of overstimulation, we receive a little drug-like high. As soon as it wears off, we are left wanting more, so we go looking for our next hit, turning us into pleasure addicts. Meanwhile, the more accustomed we become to sensory overload, the more easily we get bored and distracted, leading us to crave even more stimulation. While advertising, social media and overstimulation certainly turbocharge the engine of insatiable desire, there's something deeper going on here. Chapter 4. If we look for happiness outside ourselves, we are headed for unhappiness. As we've seen, modern culture encourages us to adopt a misguided approach to happiness. But it's not just our culture that's to blame. It's the very act of looking for happiness in external sources of pleasure that's bound to provide only limited short-term hits of pleasure at best. This can be true of any external source of pleasure, even those that seem completely non-materialistic and wholesome, such as a romantic relationship or a beautiful sunset. Part of the problem is that nothing lasts forever. The relationship will eventually end and the sun will set. In so far, we are aware of the impermanence of external sources of pleasure, we tend to engage in various forms of self-defeating behavior. We might fear or lament the inevitability of losing them with spoils of fleeting pleasure with anxiety or sadness. Or even worse, we might try in vain to keep or hold of them, which can lead to even more self-defeating behaviors. For example, we may become controlling to prevent our partners from leaving us, thereby ruining our relationships. Furthermore, when we seek happiness outside of ourselves, this becomes entrenched as a mental habit, setting us up for continual dissatisfaction. 
even when we get what we want our mind is so accustomed to looking outward that we keep scanning the world around us for something to latch onto as a source of happiness we end up like the guy at a party who constantly looks for another person to talk to always thinking about his next conversation he's never completely engaged or satisfied with the one he's having he simply jumps from one disappointing exchange to the next driven by this compulsive habit we always seek some other thing in some other moment to come as a result we constantly try to grasp onto something just out of reach this habit of grasping is one fundamental cause of unhappiness we'll turn on to the opposite habit pushing away in the next blink uh chapter 4 unhappiness ultimately arises from trying to grasp and push away our experiences this is very important guys pay close attention so far we focused on the pitfalls of looking for happiness outside of ourselves and grasping for things we want but all the things we don't want also sabotage our chance of finding happiness these come in many shapes and forms from particular people places situations we'd rather avoid to thoughts emotions and physical sensations we'd rather not experience when they confront us we want to get rid of them and try to push them away for example imagine you're suffering from a headache there's the painful sensation in your temples but there's more to your suffering than that There's also the mental resistance that you feel toward your pain. If you expressed it in words, you might say, "No, I don't want this. Go away. Leave me alone." Now, imagine you stop pushing against the headache for a moment. You still have the sensation of pain in your temples, but you no longer feel the agonizing tension that comes from resisting it. Instead, you feel a sense of neutrality toward it, and with that neutrality comes a sense of peace. The headache no longer disturbs you so much and your happiness is largely restored. The same is true of all undesirable things we push away in life and a similar principle applies to all the things we try to grasp. If we stop trying to grasp them, we'd stop feeling the discontent and strain that comes with grasping. Here we arrive at one of the most pivotal points in understanding happiness. Our suffering isn't caused by the things we want to push away or grasp, but rather by doing these very actions. This suggests a pretty straightforward solution to liberating ourselves from our unhappiness. Stop pushing away, stop grasping, just let it be. Of course, that that's much easier said than done, but it's doable. It just takes a lot of mental training to stand back and regard things with neutrality. Let's now take a look at how to do this to avoid the pitfalls of grasping and pushing things away we need to develop the skill of neutrally observing them if you want to train your body's muscles you start working out by doing certain strength training exercises you can target the specific muscles you want to develop the same is true when you want to strengthen your mind's capabilities your mental muscles so to speak and when it comes to your mind's ability to stand back and regard anything that comes its way with a sense of tranquil neutrality there's a very powerful mental strength training that you can start practicing right away you've 
no doubt heard of it and perhaps you've even tried it the exercise is no secret it's been around for millennia and it can be found in ancient buddhist texts if you haven't guessed it already it's drum roll please meditation if you were expecting a grand revelation of some brand new secret for becoming happy you might be feeling disappointed at this point wait a minute you might say i went through all of that exploration of the nature of happiness and unhappiness just to be told i need to go meditate well yes but now you are in a better position to understand the whole point of meditation which is lost on many people in popular culture meditation is often misunderstood as simply a method of stress release for 15 minutes a day we tune out our hectic modern lives and tune into ourselves by focusing on our minds bodies and sensations then when the 15 minutes are over we emerge from this ultra focused tranquility feeling magically refreshed and ready to tackle the world again not only is this approach to meditation inaccurate but it also reproduces the problems we are trying to solve If we try to meditate in this frame of mind we start grasping for the state of tranquility and rejecting anything that seems to disturb it the resulting state of tension and inner conflict is pretty much the opposite of tranquility we are seeking so we end up disappointed that leads many people to conclude that meditation doesn't work so they give up on it but the point of meditation isn't to feel good while we are meditating rather it's to develop the ability to be happy when we are not meditating we'll take a closer look of look at this point in the next playing by practicing mindfulness in everyday situations we can turn it into a habit as a form of mental exercise meditation is basically practicing the skill of neutrally observing your thoughts emotions sensations and experiences the word practicing bears emphasizing here because there's no reason to develop a skill we don't use in our everyday lives how do we do that that involves applying what we do when we're meditating to everyday situations but that raises another question what exactly do we do when we are med- meditating generally speaking meditation exercises consist of three steps in step 1 we focus our minds on an anchor in the present moment for beginners this is usually the breath the body a visual object or the sounds around us the objective here is to be fully and non-judgmentally focused on whatever we are experiencing in the present moment in this state of mindfulness we are neither pushing nor grabbing at anything in our field of awareness we're simply accepting it and experiencing it as it is at some point however our mind inevitably wander into other sensations thoughts or emotions this leads to step 2 which is simply noticing that we've drifted the third step consists of gently bringing our attention back to our anchor then we repeat the cycle all over again and again and again now the reason that beginner level meditation exercises start with anchors like the body and breath is that these are very immediate noticeable things to focus on but in theory your anchor could be anything with that in mind you can start broadening your meditation practice by implementing mindful moments to do this pick two or three ordinary activities that you usually do mindlessly like brushing your teeth eating lunch or climbing the stairs 
then practice the three phases of meditation while you perform them each day for example if you're brushing your teeth focus on the physical sensations of the task like the taste of the toothpaste suds that fill your mouth and the sound of the brush scrubbing against your teeth whenever your mind wanders simply observe where it's gone and gently bring it back to the experience the more you practice mindfulness the more it will become your default state of mind not just during mindful moments and meditation sessions but also when you're experiencing difficulties you'll then be able to tap into this internal source of inner peace whenever and wherever you are but it takes practice to reach this level of mindfulness be mindful of how you practice mindfulness meditation step 1 focus on your mind on an anchor step 2 notice it's drifted step 3 bring it back to your anchor repeat put in this way meditation sounds extremely simple and in a way it is but as anyone who's ever tried it knows meditation can also be really difficult the second phase is the sticking point of many people their minds wander and they think oh no i messed up i lost my focus quick return to the breath but if we do that we are right back to pushing and grasping we are resisting our thoughts emotions or sensations and we are trying to grasp our anchor the key here is to realize that mental wandering isn't a failure in fact it's pivotal to the success of the whole endeavor If our minds didn't drift away from focusing on our anchor step 1 we wouldn't have a chance to practice recognizing that they have wandered step 2 and bring them back step 3 and it's in practicing all three steps together that we develop our ability to inhabit a state of mindfulness in other words the mistake of losing our focus is truly a crucial learning experience and growth opportunity as you apply mindfulness to other areas of your life try to adopt this kind and forgiving attitude toward yourself and your mistakes in general if you already practice meditation you may have an opportunity to try out in in just a moment because you're about to learn one final tip that might make you think you've been doing it wrong that final tip is not to close your eyes or play peaceful music while meditating sure these things may help you concentrate but remember that the objective isn't to be mindful when we are meditating it's to be mindful when we are not meditating after all do you walk around with your eyes closed or listening to gentle piano arpeggios all day long probably not but when we meditate this way we are unintentionally training ourselves to rely on these methods of achieving mindfulness we are also sending ourselves an unconscious message practicing mindfulness is something we do only under special circumstances but again the point is to practice under any circumstances so that it's always on tap for us then we'll be able to find a sense of inner peace anytime anywhere with our eyes wide open to the beautiful but often turbulent world around us so guys wasn't that wonderful um i think this uh, book busted a lot of myth that i had around meditation and primarily uh, which included uh, closing your eyes and stilling your mind not entertaining any thoughts and this seemed like a much more um, doable 
फॉर्म ऑफ मेडिटेशन एंड आई होप यू गाइज प्रैक्टिस इट सो वट बेसिकली वॉट वी लर्न टूडे इज मेडिटेशन इज इंट ओनली अ फिफ्टीन मिनट थिंग दैट यू डू एट द बिगिनिंग ऑफ योर डे इट्स अ वे ऑफ लाइफ इट्स अ वे ऑफ बींग and if you inculcate that in your daily life with practice it will become your way of life and thus we'll be able to live mindfully in each and every aspect of our life um i think like any other thing uh, this needs a lot of practice and with diligent practice we'll be able to live more mindfully so um i'd like to thank all of you for listening to this podcast um i enjoyed reading this out to you and uh, i'm feeling really calm and i hope you do too thank you so much